Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until 10 o'clock this evening. We'll get into some baseball talk to wrap up the show. For right now, we're doing the Commander's Superlatives. You know, the most likely to succeed or all those other things. We're doing it football style. So we did the MVP. We came up with Terry McLaurin. Maybe a Sam Howell or Jahan. John Allen. Those kind of things. Let's go through the rest of these. So let's start here with best offensive player. Who you got, Donald? Well, I think I will kind of flip to your first answer to say Terry will be that. And that's kind of why I reserved him from my MVP a little bit. Sure. Um, kind of for all the reasons you stated in the in the last segment. You can pretty much plug and play him anywhere you want. Um he can run any route. He'll always be open. He'll, you know, he knows what to do. He's a constant professional. I think he'll remain that constant for us on offense. So that's my offensive MVP. So I'm going to take a different route because I have down here Terry, Jahan. We've talked about them. I think it was B. Mitch a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of training camp mentioned that there's a guy that at the end of the season maybe we could talk about as an MVP of the team that. We're not going to discuss, and I don't necessarily have him down on this list right here that I'm looking at, but Brian Robinson could be someone that gets used a whole lot, and not only just in the run game, but in the pass game. He's shown an ability to catch the ball that I don't think a lot of people understood that he had. And so if he's going to be used in the passing game, and he's going to get 15, 20 carries a game, I mean, if he can be productive and have that burst. My big complaint with... Brian Robinson for last year, and I didn't know how much he was hampered by the injury and recovering from that, which it sounds like quite a bit because when they talked about, you know, talked to him, he said, I feel like myself again. But my big issue with Robinson last year is he would get what was blocked for him, but then he wouldn't get anything more. And you'd see a hole open up and you'd like, oh, this is going to turn into a 15 yard run. And he'd get tackled for a gain of six because he just couldn't get there. He just didn't have that burst. You know, he'd get to that second level or he'd try to get past that second level. He just couldn't. And it sounds like he was hampered by that injury and everything that we've seen so far, he's looked good. And if he has some of that burst, I think that he could very much be one of the best offensive players this football team has this year. Let's go to the other side of the football. Best defensive player. Who you got? Yeah, of course we mentioned Jonathan Allen for sure, but I'm going to go a slightly different route and 
I was looking at two guys, but I think ultimately I will probably go with Montez Sweat. Interesting. As my guy, the other guy I was looking at was Deron Payne. Um, but I, I think I'm looking at Sweat to kind of bounce back. I mean, not that he had a terrible season last year, but look, look I'm looking at him to bounce back a little bit this season. And Contract I think, year. I'm sorry? Contract year. Yeah, exactly. You know, he has a lot to prove. I was getting ready to say he has a lot to prove, and I think he'll produce on the field. So I think for this season, do I think he's ultimately our best defensive player? No, but just for the 2023 season, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Montez Sweat. How many sacks you thinking? Ooh, you thinking double digits? Ah, I, I don't know. I was going to say he might push that threshold of kind of like eight nine. I don't know if he'll quite hit the double digits, but I, I'm looking to him to to try to have a big year for sure. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if we'll get to double digit sacks, but my thing when you look at this defensive line is I don't necessarily care about the individual sack numbers. I kind of care about the joint sack numbers. Like, if that group can combine for 40 or somewhere around there where it'd be an average of each of them getting 10 or 9 sacks, I think that's a successful year because maybe it ends up that John Allen has 8 and Duran has 6 and Chase has 12 and, you know, Montez has 7 or 9 or whatever. Like, that's a successful year. It may not be number 90 getting the sack, but it's 94. Like, those guys are going to work with each other because you're going to draw double teams inside and in turn you get a one-on-one on the outside or you're you're setting up a guy outside and you get one-on-ones on the inside. You you get the point. So I agree with you. I think that that defensive line is going to be very good. But this is the guy that I didn't mention for MVP. This is the guy that I think could be the best defensive player. I've argued he's the second most important defensive player. And I saw an article written by Nick Ackridge that said he was the most important Nick Ackridge of Pro Football Focus. Cam Curl. When Cam Curl is not on the football field, this defense is totally different. This defense just just it's just not as good. He understands where these guys need to be. He's so reliable. He's so versatile. You can use him up in the run game, almost playing like a, a linebacker. You can back him off and play safety and like some coverage. He's so versatile in the ways that he can be used, and he's so good at it. And when he's not on the field, it's very noticeable. The same way that it's noticeable when John Allen and Deron Payne comes off the field, it's very noticeable when Cam Curl comes off the field. And generally, when a safety comes off the field, you think of some of the older guys. It's not as noticeable unless you start hitting some deep pass plays. But he's almost in that mold of the strong safety that's up in the box and making plays where they're not the traditional deep safety. They're coming up and making plays all over the field. And Cam Curl is that guy. I think that he's probably, again, I don't know if I could go most important like Nick Ackridge of Pro Football Focus did, writing an article basically saying he needs to get paid. I don't know if I could say most important but definitely second most important defensive player, and I think he's going to have a big year this year. And subtle note to the guys out in Ashburn, pay that dude his money and lock him up because he needs to hang around. If they lose Camp Curl, I will be so frustrated. All right, let's go to the next one. Most improved. Most improved. Who you got? Most improved. Um... You know, I because see, I'm I'm thinking about your other categories. So I have like sure. people who are kind of borderline, but 
But I, I'll, I'll throw this name out here because I was thinking about him for a different category, but I'll throw him in here. Um, I, I'm looking at B-Rob as the most improved. He had a great year last season, last season but kind of to the points you alluded to, I think he's really going to take that step up. You you mentioned the things that B-Mitch had said, um, and obviously you know what tragically happened to him at the start of the season last year. I just think he's really going to bounce back and – well, not really even bounce back because he had a great season, but really step in and, and kind of elevate his numbers this year. So I'll throw him in that most improved category. Yeah, he definitely could be. I mean, if he's going to take that big next step forward, he absolutely could be the most improved because he's a guy that last season I think gave you as much as he could, but he was so limited with his ability because of that burst. Honestly, I think if you go back and look at last season, if you add just that little bit of burst, you up his rushing totals quite a bit. You up his yards per carry up quite a bit because he's just a guy that was plodding along and couldn't go anywhere. And he was hitting the right holes. He was making the right reads, but he just couldn't do anything with it. You know, that's why at times I liked Antonio Gibson more last year is just he has the burst. But if if Brian Robinson has the burst this year to go along with the fact that he never gets tackled by the first guy that hits him, he never goes backwards, he's always going forward, you know you can hand on the ball, and no matter what, you're picking up a yard, absolutely could be the most improved. We won't have to spend too much time on this one. Best rookie, I'll answer for Donald. Emmanuel Forbes. I'm assuming that he's nodding his head. Emmanuel Forbes. I think that's a pretty obvious one. I think that Forbes... That was also going to be mine, yeah, as well. I think that's the, the consensus. I mean, if you look through the other guys, like... I think Quan Martin, I think they're doing too much with him. I think that him learning three different positions has kind of slowed him down, but I think he'll be a solid football player, but I don't know that it's going to be this year. Ricky Stromberg maybe is a, a, a bit of a sleeper because if he has to fill in and play some guard or even some backup center, maybe he gets on there and makes an impact. But I think ultimately Emmanuel Forbes, I think he's going to be a playmaker from day one. Yeah, and I think I feel like – Forbes mostly is known too for his like short route coverage for sure. So I'm looking to him too to kind of break out in terms of like when we're in those close games and obviously the opposing team is trying to burn clock by, you know, these short chunk plays. I'm I'm hoping he can kind of step up, maybe not in his first year, but eventually grow into that role to kind of be that guy. All right, three more. So breakout player. Who's gonna take that jump to becoming maybe a superstar, really showing something? You got for breakout player. See, and then and this is kind of where I this is kind of where I had B Rob as sure. as the breakout. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of threw him in that that MVP talk because I you know I was thinking about him. Obviously, receivers being relying on him, but I, I'm gonna kind of double down on Jahan taking that uh, MVP. But I will say that Sam Howe now I'll I'll throw him in that that breakout. Um. I just think again, kind of to reiterate my points from earlier. I think he he'll have a good year. Hopefully, they'll let him have the reins to kind of be that guy. We'll, we've had a lot of talk about Ron and company, and what they may or may not do, and his realization of of Sam. Um, so I'm really hoping that they really let him have the chance to kind of prove himself. And I think he'll step up and and be that breakout guy for us. We talked about it earlier uh, with Ed. Will he be that franchise guy? Who knows? That's that's a you know question in the air, but I think he has enough to be a breakout, you know, for our team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if Sam Howell's a revelation, then that would absolutely be a breakout. If he's a guy that can earn the job going forward, that's absolutely a breakout. So 
I'm excited about Sam Howell this year. You don't have to. I mean, if you've listened to me enough times, sometimes it seems like I'm preaching some Sam Howell propaganda. I'm a big Sam Howell believer. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. My answer to this is going to be Antonio Gibson. Because I know we just talked about Brian Robinson, but I think that they're going to find ways to get Antonio Gibson the ball. I think they're going to find a way to use this guy in ways they haven't used him before because it seems like you have a former running back in Eric Bieniemy who looks at a guy who has lots and lots of talent, and I think they're going to find a way to use him in unique ways. Maybe it's not going to be your traditional running back that they've used him in the past where he's going to get 10, 15 carries a game, but I think they're going to use him in ways where They're going to get him involved in the screen game. They're going to run him in motion and get him the ball in the flat. They're going to find ways to get him the ball and let him work in space. And I think that you'll see a really big season this year because think of a guy like a Jarek McKinnon last year and what they did with him. And I think that Antonio Gibson has maybe not as much wiggle as a guy like Jarek McKinnon, but he's explosive. He's big. He can make some plays. So I think they're going to use him all over the football field this year. So I think that Gibson takes a big jump forward. Let's get out to the phone lines and bring in our guy, Andre in Manassas. Andre, what's going on, dude? How's it going, dude? I'm doing well. So, you know, all great questions. and I, I agree with just about everything you guys have said thus far. But I guess my question to you is, who do you think will have the best sophomore campaign? Oh, man. Well, that's between... Not a lot of people. Robinson, yeah. Powell, John Dotson. I think it's got to be Dotson, right? I mean... If you're going off of this, I know that, and Donald brings up a good point, where they're, they're kind of receivers so dependent on the quarterback and some of the other things. But, I mean, I've argued this before with Jahan Dotson. I think you can argue he's more talented than Terry. I don't think he's necessarily better yet because Terry has kind of reached a lot of what he can do and hopefully continues to get better. But the potential's through the roof for Jahan Dotson, and I think that he's shown already a special chemistry with Sam. So... My answer would probably be Jahan, even though it's kind of a cop-out since he's the first-rounder. You got someone different, Don, or are you going to go with Jahan as well? No, I'm with you on Jahan. Um, kind of like we said with it just being dependent on the the quarterback, um, I think B-Rob has the chance to maybe kind of have that better season because, I mean, for the most part, Al's just going to hand him the ball and he's just going to go to work, you know, whereas Jahan can run the perfect route and the ball may not get there. So that would be my only kind of hesitation with that, but I mean, I think either way, I mean, they're both, I think, going to have a good season. How about you, Andre? What's your answer? Sam Howell. Oh, I like it. How good do you think think Sam Howell can be this year? You know what? I think he can be sneaky good. I think, um, listen, I put a lot of money in the Commanders this year. I think they're going to pass the six games. I think they may go nine games. I I think somehow um, the sky's the limit for this guy. I know you guys on the radio and the media – you know, it's, you have to be mindful of what you guys say. You can't be too bombastic. You can't go over the top. You can hit your reputation. But I'm a fan. I can do that. And I really <laughs> think Sam Howell is going to go. He's going to be the best quarterback we've had um, even before Kirk Cousins. Because you know, everyone said, you know, Kirk couldn't win the big game. I think Sam can, can win the big game. I think he has that hit factor. So I'm very optimistic about the, the, the team this year, man. Andre, I appreciate the phone call, man. I love the enthusiasm. I don't know if Andre's listened to me a ton because I know I'm supposed to be the media guy that, like, I feel like I've been, I mean, we haven't worked together as much lately, Donald, but whenever I talk about Sam Howell, it's borderline ridiculous at times. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Andre's <laughs> right. There is a level of, you know, 
filter, I guess we have to have here. But, um, I mean, even if you were listening to the first like hour and a half of the show, we were kind of digging in on the team. So, I mean, we're fans just, just like everyone else. No doubt. No doubt. We got two more. Let's go ahead and finish them here before we hit a break. Best role player. Best role player. So maybe a guy who's not a starter or maybe someone who's a fringe starter that's going to have a big role this year. Um, yeah. So I, I probably would piggyback just kind of, you know, winging these off the top of my head would piggyback off of your um, Antonio Gibson kind of point. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I feel like just, I mean, you you named it all, so I won't reiterate, but I think just him, between him and B-Rob switching out, I think he'll be the perfect complement there and he'll get, well, hopefully will get integrated as you just alluded to. So I, I'd probably go Antonio Gibson. My guy, we've seen him shine in the preseason and he's technically not the starter because of an injury, but he's going to be coming back from the injury. I love Cole Turner. I think he's going to be a big part of the offense this year. And if he continues to have that chemistry with Sam, like you've seen, he's a big target. He can catch the football. Now it's about staying on the football field. Obviously, Logan Thomas has been good, and he's he's the starting tight end. But I think you could see Cole Turner have a really nice second year. And that's someone else that's a sophomore coming out. I don't think he's going to be up there with the Jahans and Sams and B-Robs, but that's not to say he's going to have a slouch of a second year. I think he's going to be really good. All right, last one here before we hit a break and transition into some baseball talk. Most underrated player. Most underrated player. Oh, man, that's tough. Most underrated. Um... You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go with my other guy that I had mentioned earlier. I, I had put two names out there for defense. I said Montez Sweat, but and I think he gets his just due, Deron Payne. But I think on in a way, he's kind of under the radar, especially more so in the. I mean, Madden had him rated as an 83. Yeah, right. So that that kind of goes to, that kind of goes to my point of the more national landscape, and it's almost like you were saying earlier about like Ron and his comments and things like that, and how that kind of hit nationally, you know, the commanders in general just kind of stay under the radar. So subsequently, so does a, a lot of our talent. So I think from a national landscape, Deron Payne is an underrated guy. I think locally here we know what he can do, but but I would say he would probably be my underrated guy. Yeah, I mean, because the way that he was talked about and him getting paid the contract that some of the other guys were getting paid at that same position, I would take Deron Payne over all those guys. You know, like Dexter Lawrence and some of those – they were getting paid the same contract, and I would no doubt still take Deron Payne. So that's a good one. I do think he gets slept on a lot. And even within the fan base, we talk about John Allen as a team leader. We talk about Chase Young because he's so polarizing and sweat. And we, you know, kind of talk about Payne sometimes as an afterthought, or it's, you know, Allen and Payne, whereas Payne is just a baller himself. I'm going to go with a couple of guys on the offensive line. I think that Sam Cosme is going to be a very good guard this year. I think that kicking him in from tackle to guard, as long as he can stay on the football field, I don't think he's going to be an average guard. I think he's going to be a good right guard. And so I think that he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. Kicking into guard, he's going to make more of an impact than he did at tackle. And then I know people love to get on this guy, but Charles Leno was not awful last year. Down the stretch, he was. There's no doubt about it. Specifically the Giants games. You think about Kayvon Thibodeau just running around him as if he weren't there. No doubt about it that he struggled down the stretch. But I thought overall last season leading up to those games, I didn't worry about Charles Leno. So if he can get back to that level of play where I'm not necessarily worried about him on the left side, 
and you can get solid play from Gates on the inside at center, and you can get solid play from Cosme at guard. If there's one unit on the football field that depends more on teamwork than any other, it's the offensive line. And so if you can have three of those guys that are solid, and we'll see what we can get out of Wiley. I think he's going to be better than what he showed in the preseason. And I think that you've got two respectable guards at the left guard spot in either Sadiq Charles or Chris Paul. I think that you can end up with a very solid offensive line. It's never going to be good, but I think it can be solid. And then I think when you mix that in with Eric Bieniemy's scheming to help them out, I think you could very much see the offensive line be better than what you'd expect. There's still concerns about it, no doubt about it. But I think that they could surprise some people after what they showed in the preseason and what they're going to be in the regular season. All right, let's take a break from football. As we wrap up the show, I want to talk about some baseball. The L.A. Angels are a disaster, and it shows you why Mike Rizzo and the Nationals made the right choice. We'll talk about that next during overtime on The Fan. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Overtime, 106.7 The Fan, Odyssey app. Feel free to hop in, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer as well. So I want to get into this discussion about the Los Angeles Angels because what you're seeing with the Angels has to make you appreciate what the Nationals have done over the last couple of years, and that's realizing that they didn't have it anymore. And so what they did is 
obviously demoralizing to watch as a fan base as you watch Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and Juan Soto all get shipped out of town. But the flip side could be the Los Angeles Angels. So if you don't quite understand what's going on or haven't heard what's going on, on Tuesday, so yesterday, five players were placed on waivers by the Angels, can, can be claimed by any club, and can be a part of a postseason run for that club. Those players include Lucas Giolito, Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchick, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez. And four of those guys, I think, can be legitimate help. I think that Reynaldo Lopez is someone, he still needs to develop a little bit, but he's been a good reliever this year. So you have a starting pitcher in Lucas Giolito, two outfielders in Renfro and Gritchick, and two relievers in Matt Moore and Reynaldo Lopez. And Matt Moore has like a 2.3 ERA on the season. And all of these guys are placed on waivers. And what's so crazy about this is most of these guys were acquired by trade at the deadline. At the deadline. July 31st, August 1st time frame. Four weeks ago. So the, the deal with the Rockies to get C.J. Crone and Randall Grichuk Right-handed pitcher Jake Madden, left-handed pitcher Mason Albright. Nothing too crazy there. It weren't top prospects in the Angels organization in terms of top five, top ten prospects. But then the White Sox trade to get Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. They traded left-handed pitcher Kai Bush and catcher Edgar Cuero. And Cuero and Bush started at number three and number five in the Angels system at the beginning of the season. And I believe probably at the time were two and four because Zach Neto had graduated. The trades ended up costing the Angels five of their top 20 prospects. And as you heard, two of their top three with Quero and Bush. And those same dudes that you just acquired at the beginning of the month of August, at the end of July, are now being placed on waivers. And I think this shows you a catastrophe That is the Los Angeles Angels. Because what they decided to do, and I was wrong, I have to admit it, because I was actually, I wouldn't say in favor, I wouldn't say that I loved what they were doing, but I didn't hate it. And a lot of people obviously called it out, and rightfully so. Now we're seeing that. But I didn't hate the idea that you have Shohei Otani under contract for the rest of this season, and that's it. Let's give it a whirl and see if we can find a way to make this thing work. Even though we're not in the best position Even though we're technically fourth place in the division, we still have the talent. We've had injuries with Trouts. I didn't hate the idea that they were going to give it a whirl and see if they could figure it out and get things going in the right direction. So they make these trades. And in turn, this team has been one of the worst teams in baseball since that point. And they're moving on from a majority of these players. And it's a disaster. An absolute disaster. I've never seen anything like this, where a team that was middling decided to go all-in, and after they went all-in, when they essentially were done, before the month of September, mind you, in four weeks' time frame, decided to give up and get rid of all the players that they gotten. Because not only did they get players that weren't under contract past this season, they just got rentals, and then decided... They're not worth it to keep them around. Alden Gonzalez covers the team for, I believe, ESPN. 
And he said they can still be postseason eligible when claimed, talking about these players. A lot of teams could use these players. The Angels, meanwhile, have long been out of contention and might be able to get back under the luxury tax threshold by shedding these contracts for a month. I don't care that you're trying to get under the luxury tax after you went all in and decided to move on from all of these guys less than a month later. It's just absolutely absurd. He goes on to say, you can criticize the Angels for many things, but this makes a lot of sense. They were in the rare position of having a lot of spending, a lot of pending free agents in late August because they went all in and quickly fell off. So if they're not contending, why not shed those contracts? I don't necessarily disagree with what he's saying, but it's the principle here. Have you ever seen a team? Because the trade deadline was, again, August 1st. These trades were made right around that time, end of July, last couple days of July, beginning of August. Have you ever seen a team in the history of whether it's baseball, you want to throw in basketball, wherever it is, where they made a move at the trade deadline, they were a team that was trying to go all in, and it fell apart in a month's time, and all of a sudden, all these guys that you picked up for rentals that you traded five of your top 20 prospects for, two of your top three prospects for, you decided, all right, we're done. We'll waive all these guys. I've never seen this before. It makes absolutely no sense. He continues on. Alden Gonzalez, again, for ESPN, said, this has been dunked on a bit, which is fine. I know optics are terrible. This is all I'm saying. Being a repeat offender of the competitive balance tax is a hindrance, not just because of money. Teams are constantly trying to reset. If you can avoid going over after falling out, don't you consider? It's just terrible, man. I understand from a business standpoint, it makes sense. But you decided to go all in with Shohei Otani. And that's another situation we'll get into in just a second. But you decided to go all in with Shohei Otani. And it didn't work. And all of a sudden, all these players that you would just trade it for, you're done with. The only way that you could have justified the Lucas Giolito... Two ways. I take it back. Two ways you could have justified the Lucas Giolito trade. Because I think that's the horrendous one. If you wanted to trade your 15th and 16th best prospects for a couple of guys to go all in, fine. Whatever. A rental. Whatever. But to trade two of your top three prospects for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez... The only way, the only two ways that it was going to be a successful trade were, one, if you went on a deep playoff run and hopefully won the World Series, which now we obviously understand couldn't happen. Or two, you signed Lucas Giolito to a long-term deal and kept him in Los Angeles because that's not a terrible idea. Getting a starting pitcher and keeping him around for your number two and three prospects, okay, it's not necessarily the best return on investment, but at least you got a starting pitcher for the future. They're not even doing that. They're not. And credit to them on Nolan Shanuel getting called up. This year's draft pick already up in the bigs and already on a hitting streak. Credit to them for that. But that's the only positive going for the Angels right now. Because then you look at the Shohei Otani injury. And this is a guy that had multiple times left starts early. With arm issues, cramping or some soreness or, you know, some of it's fingernail and various things with his hand. That probably doesn't have anything to do with the injury he eventually sustained. But, hmm, 
my pitcher keeps leaving games early because he's exhausted or he has arm fatigue or he's cramping. I might want to get that checked out. I might want to send him in for an MRI. It's not going to hurt me. It's not like you and me where it's probably going to cost us a little bit of money with insurance and everything to go in for that. It's not like that. Go send him in for an MRI. They didn't do that. And then after the fact, their GM comes out and says, well, you know, Shohei and his agents were the ones that decided that they didn't want the MRI. So now you're throwing Shohei and his agent under the bus. Nice. Any chance you had of keeping Shohei Otani with the Angels just walked right out that door when you decided, let's throw him under the bus for this. Let's blame Shohei for this. It's just a horrible example of how a franchise should be run. And again, it should make you thankful as a Nationals fan that while it's painful not to be watching Soto and Turner and Scherzer, it's much better to be watching C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore and the hopes of James Wood and all those guys than to be in this situation and have absolutely nothing to show for it. Because that's where the Nationals could have been. The Nationals were coming off a World Series in 2019 and sold in 21 and 22 because they realized they weren't going to be anywhere. You know how many teams have won a World Series and two years later they're still trying to go all in? It was only two years after the fact that the Nationals moved on. And that's a credit to Rizzo. That's a credit to the front office for deciding... You know what? This isn't going to work because I think they'd be well within their rights. Obviously, they hadn't had the season they'd liked in 2020. Things weren't going as well as you'd like in 21. But you don't think they could have looked at it and said, well, I mean, we've still got Turner. We've still got Scherzer. We've still got Strasburg, hopefully. We've still got Corbin under contract. We've still got Soto. We could probably go sign a couple of free agents or we could trade for some guys with our prospects, which, by the way, at the time were non-existent. We could probably trade some prospects and try to bring some people in here and keep trying. They could have done that. And you know where we'd be right now? Way worse and no hope. Look at the Los Angeles Angels. You have to give Mike Rizzo credit because what the Angels are doing is clearly wrong. And I have to admit that I was clearly wrong because I didn't hate the idea of at least trying while you had Shohei Otani. But now... Shohei Otani is going to walk in free agency. You'll get an extra pick, I think, maybe because of compensation. But outside of that, that's it. You're not going to get the Hall of Prospects. You're not going to get a deal like the Padres gave up for for Juan Soto. You're not going to get a deal like that, even though you could have traded the greatest baseball player of all time and not just one baseball player, but two and a pitcher and a hitter before he had torn his UCL. You could have traded him for a historic Hall that rivaled the Soto deal, and you held on to him, and now he's going to leave for nothing, and you also traded a bunch of prospects for players that you waived at the end of the year as well. And not just the end of the year, but less than a month or just over a month after you traded for them. Disaster for the Angels. And you feel bad for Mike Trout, because out of all this stuff, Mike Trout's still there. And yes, he's dealing with injuries, and he's kind of been riddled with those over the last couple of years. But it's such a shame that you had the two best players in all of baseball playing for the same baseball team 
for years, and we never got to see them play meaningful playoff baseball. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout were teammates, and it meant nothing because they weren't competitive enough to make the playoffs. It's a shame. It's a shame for all of us baseball fans. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. I want to talk a little bit about the Nationals. Josiah Gray's had some struggles of late. I don't know if that's all that surprising from what we were seeing from some of the numbers earlier in the season. We'll talk about that as well as Mackenzie Gore. Should the Nationals shut him down? I don't necessarily think they should. We'll talk about that next. You're in overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this is tony kornheiser show i'm tony we expected someone else so what exactly is the show about hmm i don't know it's a sports show nominally football's over but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck greatest three words in the english language pitchers and catchers we have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Final couple minutes here, Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me this evening. I want to wrap up talking about the Washington Nationals, talking about a pair of pitchers, the promising young guys. We'll start with Josiah Gray. So Gray has really struggled of late, outside of that Yankee Stadium appearance, which was better, but again, I don't know if it was great. He does a really good job of walking the tightrope, but his last couple of outings have been not very good, especially his last one being the shortest of his career. It's just, it's been very different from what we saw earlier in the season, but I really think it's, maybe it's a couple of things, but I think the number one thing that's been different is he's just not getting out of jams like he did early in the season. Early in the year, he would get into the same jams that he's been in the last couple of you know last couple of starts, 
but he just couldn't get out of them. Or he hasn't gotten out of them lately. He did earlier in the year. But if you look at some of his expected numbers and some of the baseball savant numbers, it's kind of been this way all year where he's outperformed what his actual numbers are telling you. So in 2022, his ERA was a 503, but his expected ERA was a 425. This year, his ERA is a 405, finally dipping over the four number, and an expected ERA of 503. So he's actually, according to expected numbers, had a worse year than he has this than he did last year. Even though last year he was not very good, to say the least. I think some of that is his Statcast stuff is never going to love him. He's not a sexy kind of pitcher. His stuff isn't as electric as other guys. But he needs to find a way to limit the walks. It's really become an issue with him how many guys he's allowing on base. I mean, he's in the 11th percentile of walk percentage. You just cannot continue to walk the amount of guys that he does and expect to be effective. And that's something that's really held him back this year, and he needs to find a way to work on that. But going back to his stuff, like his slider's never going to slide like some of the elite sliders in the game. His fastball is one of the worst pitches in baseball statistically because it gets hit every single time he throws it. So he can't just turn to the fastball. So he needs to find some pitches that he can continue to put in the zone and be more effective. I I don't know what we'll see that the rest of the year, but I think what you saw in that first half is encouraging. you just like to see him go out and have a dominating outing or two at the end of the year to kind of give you that hope again. Because early in the season, he was great. But he's a guy that has to battle, so we'll see. I wouldn't say that I'm really discouraged by what I've seen. I I feel like you had to expect at least a little bit of regression with him in the second half. Maybe not to the extent you've seen it, but I think overall what you saw in the first half had to give you hope that this guy can help you in the long run. He's never going to be an ace. He's never going to be probably a number two but a number three, number four starter, I think that Josiah Gray can be that for you on a winning ball club. And then the other guy I wanted to talk about is Mackenzie Gore. And he's blown way past the number of innings, the most number of innings he's pitched in a single year this season, as he's already sitting at 132 and a third. Entering this season, he'd really only thrown over 100 innings, I believe, once, maybe twice in his professional career. So he's way past the number of innings he's ever thrown. And some people are throwing around the idea, should you shut him down? And I don't think you should. We've seen him struggle in the second half and hasn't necessarily been the same guy. And again, his last outing, which wasn't bad, it wasn't anything spectacular, but he continued to battle out there. But I think it's more important this season. You've seen the stuff. You've seen enough encouragement to think that he can be your ace or at least your number two starter going forward. You've seen enough for that. I need him to continue to just go through the grind and understand what it's like to go through a full major league season. Now, if he starts to show some fatigue and you see dips in velocity and all those things, then go ahead and shut him down and you know finish the season for him. But we haven't seen that so far from him, so I'd love to see them continue to try him out. And I think the idea of going with a six-man rotation to limit the number of innings, to limit the number of starts down the stretch is smart. But I don't like the idea of just shutting these guys down and saying that's it. I like having them continuing to go out there every sixth day now and take the ball and just 
understand the grind of a major league season. I'd rather Mackenzie Gore go through all that now, even if it means some struggles. And so next year, if this team's maybe competitive for a wild card spot or fighting to get to 500, wherever the case may be, I don't want that to be the first time he's going through the grind of September baseball after he, you know, if he got shut down anytime soon. I want him to have done it before. So I don't like the idea of shutting these guys down. I kind of like letting these guys go out there with the six-man rotation and continue to battle every sixth day. Appreciate you guys for hanging out this evening. It was fun talking with Eric Edholm. Appreciate him for joining us. Appreciate Donald for hitting all the buttons behind the scenes, doing a fantastic job, as he always does. Again, if you missed anything tonight, you can rewind on the Odyssey app or check out the podcast that will be up shortly. For Donald, I'm Toby Altizer saying good night and talk to you later. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.